And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> Tell us, think we could listen to the radio or something? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, it's an adventure with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's immortal detective, Sherlock Holmes, starring Tom Conway from 1946. But first, it's TV Jeopardy! Lisa Wolf Trebek will play audio clips from popular TV shows. I'll try to name the show while you play along at home. Right, Lisa? Right, Carl. So I think you're going to do really well because these are all shows from the 70s and 80s, but more importantly, they are all spinoffs. Hmm. So you get extra brownie points for telling me what show oh, it was a spinoff like from. It's a two-part Ooh, thing. two-part. We're getting oh, very complex okay, today. Okay. Uh, so I think these are all shows that you know and watched. Mm-hmm. Here's the first one. I don't want to stay in here one more night. We're lucky we weren't found dead in our bed. Yeah, from boredom. <laughs> she could be a dope fiend. A what? You know, one of those kids taking PPP? <laughs> Well, whatever. I don't want to hear. Oh, Stanley, come on. I mean, what is life for? Oh, no, it's not I mean, that. What are we no, here it. for? What What is the purpose of our okay. existence? Oh. Why Why were okay. we born? Okay, okay. Finally, if when I you heard Stanley, yeah. So that's. That's the Ropers. That's right. And I did put Stanley in there purposely uh, in case I you needed a little hint. completely boggled. Well, until... you usually are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the show that it was spun off from is Three's Company. That's exactly right. So um, the Ropers was on just 1979 to 1980. Mm-hmm. Three's Company was on 77 to 84. That was Stanley, wow. who was Norman Fell. Right. And Helen Roper, Audra Lindley. And, mm-hmm. of course, they were the landlords for yeah. Jack and yeah. Christy and Janet. Yeah. So I love that's a blast. Love from the past. Three's Company. I know you did. Yeah. I mean, Ropers was good, but I know, but it was more about Three's Company. Oh and, yeah, and I wanted just... to be Jack Tripper. Really, <laughs> I bet you did. Really badly. <laughs> How did I know that? <laughs> really wanted to be Jack Tripper. Everybody wanted to be Jack Tripper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the next one. I love this show. Come on, Cheryl. Let's go out and sit on the bench and watch the men load up the trucks. That's fun. That is not fun. They make vile comments about my lunch. Hey, baby, how's your tuna fish? Well, I'm going to go outside. Oh, I know what this is all about. It's Friday, and you don't want to be here when you know who comes through with the shots tour. That's right, Miss Karen Clotson, with her nose stuck up in the air, putting us down in front of the tour, calling us unskilled labor. You know, this, this well, was I a... got skills. This was a really good series. I know it was. I mean, I, I think ha- everybody watched this show. Yeah, I haven't seen an episode in a long time. I haven't but either. I'm telling you, it's either. By the way, it's it's either. No, it's either. 
Uh, that is Laverne Either. and Shirley. It is. So Laverne and Shirley was on from 76 to 83. It was a spinoff I get of... to guess, right? You're going to let me guess? I, I said it was a spinoff oh. of, okay. and I stopped talking. You were setting talking. me up. Okay. That's right. That, that spinoff was Happy Days. That's right. 74 to 84. Wow. And of course... Do I get a pizza if I get all these right? You don't. Okay. <laughs> if you want to buy one for yourself, no, to pat I yourself mean, on the back, you, you are welcome to. you buy me a pizza if I get them all right, including I, the spinoffs. I, I won't. Okay. No, you are going to know all of oh, these. Oh, all right. If I wanted to fool you, I would. That'll be a later segment. This mm-hmm. one is just our trip fool down memory Fool me once. Late. Fool me twice later. What was that from? I don't no, even know. What fool that... me once. Shame on you. I, no, fool it's me from twice, a movie. But anyway. Me. All right. Anyhow, that was Laverne and Shirley, Penny Marshall, and... Um, uh, Penny Marshall and... Uh, oh, gosh. Come on. What's her name? Laverne DeFazio and Shirley Feeney. Yeah, the other girl, I can't remember right now. Cindy Williams. Oh, yeah, Cindy Williams. Right, and they were bottle cappers in? Shots Brewery. Brewery. <laughs> brewery. Shots in brewery. Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. Right, exactly, yeah. in the 1950s in Milwaukee. Great. Mm-hmm. Here's the next show. Uh, is this where I'm supposed to be? Uh, delivery boys usually use the rear entrance. Delivery boy? Give me a break. Is this where I'm supposed to check in? I don't believe this. You don't. I was going to ask him to the fall dance. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mrs. Garrett, the school dietitian. You must be Joe, the new student. Right, how'd you know? Easy. I've never seen a motorcycle parked in my flower bed before. Okay, so that's, um, that's the facts of life. That's right? exactly right. On from Facts 79 to 88. And I gave you a little hint there with Mrs. Garrett. Yeah. yeah. That's what really honed it uh, in there. I think that was the first uh, one of the first yeah, episodes. Yeah, that Maybe first the first episode. one. Right. Uh, we just met Joe Facts there. Facts of Life. And that right. was a spinoff. I'm trying to think. I, I, I'm not sure if I know this spinoff. Okay. Well, the pizza is, is going, um, going on. Here. No. I, I mean... Not, so it wasn't like the, full house, was it? It wasn't. So yeah. it it focused on Edna Garrett, and yeah. she was the house mother in this right. all girls school. Right, right. It was a popular spinoff of. I can't remember. Different Strokes. Oh yeah, right, yeah, which is on yeah, yeah. 1978 to 85. Different Strokes. Different okay. Strokes. I could uh, sing you the song, but no, that's okay. Right. We're, we're fine. On um, the next show, here it is. How can you afford to live in a place like this? You ain't tall enough to be no basketball player. <laughs> Say what? And you too old for a rock and roll singer. <laughs> Look, this is our apartment. <laughs> then you got to be so a number great. runner. So great. Yeah. I'm getting out of here. No, All right, so I know this one. So that's that's the Jeffersons. The Jeffersons, spinoff of? Uh, it was a spinoff of All in the Family. You are absolutely right. Focusing on George and Louise, who moved mm-hmm. from Queens to Manhattan from the uh, success of his dry cleaning yeah. chain, right? Oh, yeah, And um, the Jeffersons were the neighbors of? Um, the, uh, I mean, from the all bunkers the, from right. Edith and Archie. Yeah. All right. Here's your last television okay. show. This one might be a little tougher. Oh, well, howdy, ma'am. Happy to see you looking so fine this evening. I'm trying to win me a four year scholarship to one of the better Eastern colleges. Oh, well, before you think about college, I think you should learn how to read. That sign says no solicitors. Oh, oh, oh. this isn't a solicitation, ma'am. Oh, no. You see, some of us veterans from Vietnam are competing this year contest. And the way we win... Vietnam? 
Okay. I Were think I know you it. in Vietnam? She yeah. is something. So that's. Well, so I'm pretty Maud. sure that's Maud. That is Maud. Uh, yeah. That's exactly right. Maud B. Arthur as Maud Finley. So it's a spinoff of. I think it's All in the Family. Exactly. Yeah. See, I can't wow. fool you. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, she was Edith, uh, Edith's favorite cousin, Maud. Mm-hmm. So you did a great job. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad. I wouldn't have won a pizza even if I it was on the. I know you would have made me made me send it over your way. Yeah. yeah. Mushroom and sausage, please. No thanks. All right. Thanks, Lisa. When we <laughs> thanks, come back, Carl. it's Sherlock Holmes. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. When you think of the greatest detective of all time, the most famous detective, you'd have to say Sherlock Holmes, right? I mean, everybody knows about Sherlock Holmes. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle created the fictional detective, and it came to radio in 1930, starring Richard Gordon. There were many iterations of Sherlock Holmes on radio, but the best-loved two actors to play Holmes and Watson were Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. They played those characters in the movies and on radio from 1939 all the way to the mid-1940s. But in the mid-1940s, Basil Rathbone said, I've had enough of this, no more radio, playing Sherlock Holmes. So Tom Conway stepped up, and he played Holmes, and Nigel Bruce played Watson. But Nigel Bruce got top billing. Very interesting. Listen to this. And they say starring Nigel Bruce and Tom Conway. So why do you think? Well, he was, you know, he was, I don't know. I really don't know. I he, mean, was, he was, he was. Well, I don't know. he was on the series for so long, yeah. and he was like, listen, I want top billing. All right, this is called The Adventure of the Black Angus, October 19th, 1946, part one of The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Kremel Hair Tonic and Kremel Shampoo present the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes, starring Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson and Tom Conway as Sherlock Holmes. Once again, it's time to renew our weekly visits with that genial host and incomparable storyteller, Dr. Watson. And here he is waiting for us in his comfortable and familiar study. Hello, Dr. Watson. It's mighty good to see you again. Good evening, Mr. Bell. Good evening. You're punctual to the minute, as usual. This is one doctor's appointment I'll never be late for. That's very nice of you to say so, my boy. Draw up your usual chair and settle down. (sighs) That's it. Fire in the grate, the lights turned low and a wind howling outside. It's a perfect setting for a Sherlock Holmes adventure. Which one is it going to be? Well, tonight I thought I'd tell you a most weird and macabre story. Concerns werewolves on the wild moors of Scotland and the strange happenings that took place in McKinnon Castle. Dear, dear, werewolves and haunted castles. My hair's beginning to stand on end already. Now, Dr. Watson, how about the werewolves? Well, Mr. Bell... The adventure began innocently enough on a slate grey November afternoon in Baker Street, just before the turn of the century. Holmes and I were seated comfortably on either side of a crackling fire when shortly before tea time there was a jangle on our doorbell 
And a few minutes later, a young girl who Mrs. Hudson announced as Miss Victor was standing before us. A young girl dressed in a wedding gown. She was in a great state of excitement. In fact, almost hysterical. Mr. Holmes, you must help me. There's no one else to whom I can turn. There, I don't know what there, to do. There, there, my dear. Compose yourself. If you will just tell us the facts, Miss Victor. Well, at three o'clock this afternoon, I was to have been married to David McKinnon. Any relation to the Ayrshire McKinnons? The son and heir to the estate, Mr. Holmes. Oh, really? I think I met one of the family in a shooting party a few years ago. I remember distinctly... Some other time, what... Watson, please. Oh. Miss Victor's problem is immediate. Oh, sorry. Oh. You say uh, you were to have been married, Miss Victor. <laughs> what occurred to prevent the ceremony? David just... just didn't appear. Oh, it was dreadful, Mr. Holmes. I waited and waited, and finally I knew he wasn't coming... You've had no word from him since? No, none. I went to his hotel as soon as I left the church. And what did you discover? That, that he'd received a visit from an elderly Scotsman this morning. And the porter said that immediately afterward they left together in a cab for St. Pancras Station. St. Pancras? Undoubtedly their destination was Scotland, Holmes. Quite. Oh, Mr. Holmes, you must find David for me. I know he's been kidnapped. Miss Victor... A man who is being kidnapped does not walk out of a hotel in broad daylight and order a cab. Well, something's happened to him. He wouldn't do a thing like this of his own volition. Are you quite sure that you didn't have some lover's quarrel, some little tiff in the last few days that might have made your fiancé uh, change his mind? Of course I'm sure, Dr. Watson. We've never had any misunderstanding. Only something dreadful could have made him leave. I shall do everything in my power to find out what it was, Miss Victor. Oh, thank you, Mr. Holmes. Oh, Watson, get me the railway guide. Oh, uh, there you are. It's on the table beside you. I knew you would help me. I only hope we'll be successful. Ah. Now, Watson, if you'll pack a couple of bags and meet me at the station at 9.15 in time for the Scottish Express, I have a few simple inquiries to make. you so long, Holmes. We almost missed the train. You're shockingly out of condition, Watson. Oh, well. A little sprint like that shouldn't leave you so winded. Well, never mind about my condition. Where have you been for the last four hours? Delving into the back issue files of the Times. Very instructive. You should try it sometime. Rubbish. There's nothing duller than yesterday's news. I doubt if you'd call the legend of the McKinnon family dull, Watson. On the contrary. Oh, so that's what you've been looking up. Yes. It's a history that goes back several hundred years of brawling and bloodshed founder of the clan was a 14th century Scottish warrior by the name of Wolfhound McKinnon. He is reputed to have been so incredibly vicious in battle that his enemies accused him of being a werewolf. A, a vampire? Oh, come now, Holmes. I'm merely repeating a 500-year-old legend. The point is that the present head of the clan, the father of the disappearing fiancé today, is known as Black Angus. He's a dominant, thoroughly hated man whose local reputation is as frightening in our day and age as his predecessors was five centuries oh, that's ago. that's all very interesting, Holmes, but I don't see why you should get so excited over a 500-year-old legend. Well, you see, Watson, I found another rather curious fact in the paper. Oh? What was that? Several times during the last few months, sheepdogs have been found dead in the vicinity of McKinnon Castle with their throats torn out. Good heavens! Thomas, you've lived in this village a good many years, I expect. All my life, sir. 
And this inn was my feathers before me. We're interested in some of the local beauty spots, particularly McKinnon Castle. McKinnon Castle is no beauty spot, sir. Oh, really? Devil's Castle, we call it. There isn't one of us in the village that wouldn't have been glad to see the ground open up and swallow the place. I and every McKinnon who lives there. Good gracious me. Why are the McKinnons so hated, Thomas? They're no men. They're monsters. A McKinnon thinks that because he owns the land, he owns the air a man breathes, too. And Black Angus is the biggest, blackest devil of them all. Black Angus? You mean the present laird? Aye. And if he keeps up with his devil's work, he'll be the dead laird before long. Give me how bloodthirsty. What's been going on, Thomas? It's the sheepdog, sir. Hereabouts, a man's sheepdog is his living. And yet six more have been killed in the past two weeks. And all of the poor wee beasties lying there on the moors with their throats torn out. How can you blame McKinnon for that? Surely some animal... Aye, been... sir, aye. An animal that stands on two feet. What are you suggesting, Thomas? I'm suggesting nothing, sir. Except those dead dogs all had human teeth marks on their throats. You <laughs> You insinuating that uh, Black Angus is, is a vampire? Oh, now, now, now. Really, my dear fellow. Oh, we've seen him at night, when the moon was high, galloping across the moors on his big black horse. And the next morning, there's always been a dead sheepdog. You've seen him yourself? Well, well, no, sir. But there are those that have. There's no mistaking him with his big coat flapping and his hat pulled down over his eyes. What an extraordinary business. Interesting, very interesting. Do you see that gentleman that just came in, sitting by himself in the corner there, sir? The man in the grey overcoat? Aye. His name's Humphreys. He can tell you more about the McKinnons than I can. He's a cousin of the family. And even though he's related and lives at the castle, he's as nice a gentleman as you'd meet up with. Thank you for the information, Damas. I think perhaps we'll go and have a chat with him. Come on, Watson. Right, Charles. Uh, thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Glad to be of service, gentlemen. Excuse me, Mr. Humphreys. Aye. May we take the liberty of introducing ourselves? I'm Sherlock Holmes, and this is my friend, Dr. Watson. Uh, how do you do, oh, Mr. How Humphreys? Do you do? How do you do? Oh, won't you uh, sit down? Thank you. Thomas tells me you are a cousin of the McKinnon family. I am. Uh, do you know them? We're particularly interested in one of them, Mr. Humphreys. Yes, in David McKinnon. Ah, David's a very fine boy. You knew he was to have been married in London yesterday? Aye, I knew that. Did you also know that just before his wedding, he suddenly disappeared, Mr. Humphreys? Uh, gentlemen, may I ask the uh, reason for your interest in young David? That's a very fair question, sir. I have been asked by Miss Victor, David's fiancée, to try and find the young man. Oh, I see. It's a very unfortunate business. Mr. Humphreys, shortly before the wedding yesterday, David McKinnon had a visitor in his hotel. They left together, presumably to catch the express for Scotland. And poor Miss Victor was left stranded at the church. The little thing was, was heartbroken. Well, she would be. Uh, Mr. Holmes, uh, I wish I could help you in some way, but... You uh... can, Mr. Humphreys. Well, how? By telling us what message you delivered to David at his hotel yesterday. That I... Oh, come now, Mr. Humphreys. The man seen to be leaving the hotel with David was wearing a grey raglan coat, such as you are wearing. In addition, I observed as we sat down that you're reading yesterday's edition of the London Times. 
Even if you subscribed to it, it couldn't have reached you here in Scotland through the post this speedily. Amazing, Holmes. Elementary, isn't it, Mr. Humphreys? Well, I don't know about that, but uh, your deduction is correct. Uh, Yes, Mr. Holmes, I did return with David from London yesterday. What was the message you were sent to give him, may I ask? The message that decided him not to go through with his marriage? I'm afraid I can't answer that question, Mr. Holmes. Uh, Though I may tell you, it's a family secret of the gravest importance. Hmm. Well, in that case, our only recourse is to go to McKinnon Castle and pursue our inquiries there. Well, I imagine that would be best, gentlemen. But, uh, frankly, I doubt if you'll gain admittance. Angus is a willful man with a terrible temper and... When he knows you want to see David... We've handled terrible men before, haven't we, Watson? Yes, indeed. I remember that afternoon in Baker Street when Dr. Grimsby Royalt picked up the poker and was Yes, Watson. You can regale Mr. Humphreys with that some other time. But now I think we'd best be starting for the castle. Uh, Mr. Holmes, if by any chance you do see Angus, I must ask you not to mention that you've talked to me. If he finds out, there might be trouble. All right, Mr. Humphreys. Come along, Watson. Come on, Watson. Let's go across the pond and solve another crime. You sound exactly like I mean, like right? Him. I could have played yeah, Sherlock Holmes. I honestly can't tell who's Watson, who. we have to solve this devilish crime. Huh? Mm. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Not bad, right? Yeah, right after your Gosh. singing career, you'll yeah, be in well. voiceover work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. More work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, that's the uh, first portion of Sherlock Holmes. The Adventure of the Black Angus. Uh, making me hungry. I could go for an Angus steak right about now. I'm yeah. Some pizza, mashed potatoes. Okay. We'll be right back. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. You know, we have amazing sponsors of this show, long-time sponsors, incredible uh, sponsors like Me's Meals and Cat's Pride and Prevagen and uh, so many others. Uh, But we have an internal sponsor, uh, a sponsor that we created, actually. It's called Classic Radio Club, and members who join the club, we use those proceeds to... Further the show, we license programs, we uh, pay the cost to put the show on the air across the country, and we really appreciate our sponsors, be, uh, I should say our listeners, because those who join the club are are really like sponsors, when you think about it, right, Lisa? So this club has been around a long time. When you join the Classic Radio Club, 
you get five CDs sent to you every 30 days, and they have 10 classic radio shows on those five CDs, and they are perfect sound quality. Absolutely, like directly from the master, incredible sound quality. There's a 12-page booklet in there, and they're all in a case with photos of the stars. It's really great. And as I say, about every 30 days, you get a new set mailed to your home. And uh, you also receive emails from us if you uh, if you want. You don't have to have them. Or if you don't have an email, then we don't send it. But you get five CDs, ten shows, or you can get the digital version. If you don't want CDs, we can email you the shows and a PDF of the booklet. And Lisa, Mike, and I started this club, oh, maybe four or five years ago now. Carl Shadow, who uh, writes our Radio Rarities podcasts, um, does a great job helping me write the um, the uh, 12-page booklet every month. It's a great, great club. So we hope you'll join. Uh, you can join and uh, cancel at any time. You're not, like, uh, tied up to uh, a long-term uh, membership or anything like that. If you want to learn all about the Classic Radio Club, you can check out our website, which is ClassicRadioClub.com, ClassicRadioClub.com, or you can call and talk to a live operator, 815-900-7535. That operator will explain everything you'd like to know about the club. If you have any questions, 815-900-7535. If, uh, if a live operator doesn't answer when you call, just leave your name and phone number, and they will call you back. 815-900-7535. We're listening to Sherlock Holmes. You like this uh, broadcast? Yeah, it's stuff? a lot of fun. I mean... You know, it's hard to hear over the when you're kind of talking, talking throughout the whole thing, throughout the entire thing, yeah. and repeating well, I'm trying to do all of the, the lines, the voices, you know. And you're doing a matey. You sound a little like you're in Hogan's Let- Heroes there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're listening. Yeah, we're listening to the adventure of the Black Angus. It's sponsored by Cremel Hair Tonic and Cremel Shampoo. I know you used to use that. You switched for, to Wild Root Cream Oil. I did. It's yeah. a little bit lighter for my hair. It works yeah. a little better on my fine, thin hair. <laughs> Cremel, Cremel Shampoo. I remember you used to wear that a lot. It was mm-hmm. a very. It gre- smells nice. Though. It was very greasy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a uh, broadcast starring Tom Conway and Nigel Bruce, October 19th, 1946. Here's the conclusion to The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Boy, I wish they'd put some springs in this vehicle. It's worse than an Irish jaunting car. <laughs> if Thomas's directions are to be believed, we should see the castle when we get to the crest of this hill. This Black Angus seems to be quite a lovable character. Even Humphreys, his, his cousin, seems to be terrified of him. Man was positively shaking. Yes, I noticed that. Ah, that must be the castle now. I judge. Forbidding-looking place, isn't it? Yes. Watson. Rain in your horse. Whip it, whip it, whip it. What is it, Holmes? Look, lying by the side of the road. Just a dead dog. Yes, a dead sheep dog. Come on. Uh, the dog's throat has been torn out. Yes. And look here, Watson. Look at these marks on the throat. Good heavens, Holmes. They look like they are the marks of human teeth. <laughs> Hey, gentlemen, 
Is the lad at home? I'm sorry, sir. But the lad will not see people we have to an appointment. Uh, then will you please give him a message? But the two... Tell him that Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson have come here from London to see him. Yes, my good man, and tell him it's on a very important and confidential business. If you'll wait here in the hall, I'll give him the message, gentlemen. But he'll no see you. He'll no see you. Stupid old ass. Anyone think he owned the castle? Watson... Have a look at these two portraits. <laughs> a couple of grim-looking characters. Give you the creeps. I think we may reasonably assume they're McKinnon ancestors. Do you notice something odd about them? Well, the men are smiling. If you call that smiling, looks more like leering to me. <laughs> Whatever it is, it shows their teeth. Notice the abnormal length of the eye teeth? Oh, sure, yes. And the teeth marks on the dead sheep dog. Quite. Oh, who he is. Tell that man and shall not hold that I won't see him. Black Angus seems to be living up to his name. I'm sorry, gentlemen, but the lair will not see you. He asks that you please leave at once. That's a bit of an understatement. You may tell him we're not leaving here until we've seen Mr. David McKinnon. I'm sorry, Just sir. Just a but moment. He... I'm David McKinnon. You are splendid. We've come here on behalf of... I know why you're here, gentlemen. I must ask that you leave at once. But, Miss Victor, your fiancé... After all, you know gentlemen, you... Gentlemen, you heard my father's message. Please go. As for Miss Victor, I have no interest in hearing anything concerning her. Good day. Come, Watson. I think perhaps our visit was ill-timed. This way, please, gentlemen. Let's get away from here. Unprincipled young cadder, David. I'd like to give him a good thrashing. Might be interesting to talk to David McKinnon when he's away from the influence of Black Angus. Oh, you're wasting your time, Holmes. A man's a bounder. Besides, they'll never let us in the house again. By the front door, true. However, we can still try the back. Leave your hat and coat in the bushes here, old chap. Rumple up your hair, dirty your face, and adopt that delightful Scottish dialect of yours. For the moment, we will be plumbers. Plumbers? How do we know they need plumbers? In an old castle like this, you can always be sure of one fact... Something must inevitably be wrong with the drains. They always need plumbers. Holmes, do you think it's safe? I mean, if Black Angus discovers us, he may be dangerous. I'm afraid that's a chance we'll have to take. Come along, Watson, and try to look as much like a plumber as possible. Now, Dr. Watson, did you and Sherlock Holmes manage to get into McKinnon Castle disguised as plumbers? We did, Mr. Bell. Holmes is right about the drains. We were welcomed at the service entrance with open arms, figuratively speaking. Of course, we, we were shown down to the basement and left to our own devices. As soon as the coast was cleared, I found myself following Sherlock Holmes as he stealthily mounted an, an old stone stairway. I must confess that my heart was in my mouth. This stairway should lead us up to the east wing, I'd say. And by the way, Watson, you make a most convincing plumber. Oh, really? I always thought rather good at charge, you know. Quiet, Watson. There's a light under that door. The door is slightly ajar. Come here, Watson. We can see through the crack. The man seated in front of the dressing table, staring into the mirror. Candlelight's flickering, but I'll give you odds that's black anger. I don't like this, Holmes. I don't like it. He may... Holmes, he's got a revolver. He's raising it. Angus McKinnon, put down that revolver. Who the devil are you? My name is Sherlock Holmes. I told Bruce to throw you out. This time I'll do it myself, you prying... Mr. McKinnon, 
I know what you were thinking when you raised that revolver to your temple just now. And believe me, you're wrong. You can't possibly know. I think I do. You are convinced that you have been killing these sheepdogs. You have been so preoccupied with the legends of your great ancestor, Wolfhound McKinnon, that you think that your brain has snapped and that you've turned into a vampire. You're right, Mr. Holmes. But how you found out is beyond me. You know about the dogs? The sheepdogs with their throats torn out? Yes, we know about them. In fact, we found one as we were driving out about a mile from here. I know. They brought me the news not more than two hours ago. It won't happen again. You're convinced that you are responsible for these killings? What else can I think? All the evidence, the blood stains on my cloak. And I know those stains are not caused by human blood. You remember nothing? Nothing. But when I think of the heritage of the McKinnons, how can I doubt? Then that's the reason your son was recalled from London yesterday. It is. You suddenly had proof of what you thought to be your own morbid tendencies. And so you sent a message to your only son, warning him that he must not allow the woman he loved to marry into a family stained with madness. Holmes, you seem to understand my problem. But I will not discuss it with you. Go away, both of you. A McKinnon cannot go to his maker before strangers. Mr. McKinnon, give me your help in a few hours, Grace, and I'm convinced I can prove to you that you're the victim of a devilish plot. A plot? I don't understand. Oh, come now, Mr. McKinnon. In this year of grace, it's a little hard to believe in vampires. But how can you disprove the evidence I've seen with my own eyes? The human teeth marks. It wouldn't be hard to conceive of an instrument that could simulate those marks, Mr. McKinnon. But who could think of such a fiendish plan? And what would be the motive? I have a suspicion. But what's more important at the immediate moment is to find the evidence. An instrument such as I've suggested would be damning proof. Therefore, it would be hidden in the most obscure hiding place in the castle. Now, what would be the most secret place? The cellars? Aye, we have extensive cellars. We'll search them. But another possibility occurs to me. In castles as old as this, there's often a secret room. Or, as they were sometimes called, a priest's hole. You're quite right, Mr. Holmes. We have such a hiding place here, though I haven't been in it for years. A narrow stairway leads down between the walls from an entrance behind that big cabinet. Splendid, Mr. McKinnon. You have a lantern? There, on the dressing table. I'll light it, Holmes. Thank you, Watson. I have a strong suspicion that the solution of the postponed wedding ceremony, as well as that of the mangled dogs, lies at the foot of that secret stairway. <laughs> Stuffy little place, festooned with cobwebs. Oh dear, oh dear. Just walked into another one. Nobody's been down here recently, Holmes, I'd swear to that. Give me the lantern, Watson, will you? Uh, there you are, fellow. Thanks. Uh-huh. Look here in the dust on the floor. Footprints. Footprints leading to that old chest in the, in the corner over there. Yes. Doesn't seem to be locked. Look, Mr. McKinnon. See this devil's instrument? What is it? It looks like a metal trap. It is, with jaws of steel and a powerful spring. Oh, good heavens! And you can see the recent bloodstains on it. This fiendish instrument gives us the answer to those poor dead dogs. You mean that this was used to tear up their throats? Undoubtedly. And look, more devil's work. Great Scott, a human jawbone with the teeth intact. This must have been used to leave the prints of human teeth after the animals were dead. I'm going to try and make me think that I was mad. The devils! Oh! Somebody what shot happened? 
Somebody shot the lantern out of my hand. You're too inquisitive, Sherlock Holmes. Humphreys! Yes, Angus, your cousin, Humphreys. We've found out, Humphreys. I know what you and your meddling friends have found out, Angus. Thoughtful of you to put yourselves in my power. A priest dungeon will make a perfect coffin for the three of you. I'm going to lock and bolt this door at the head of the stairs. It's your only escape. I'm afraid death by suffocation and starvation won't be very pleasant, my friends. Humphreys, I'm coming back up those stairs. I'm going to get my hands One on you. One more step, Angus, and I fire. Your devil, Humphreys. I warned you. Oh, Watson, where are you? Up here by the children. How is he? I'm all right, Holmes. I think the shot just grazed me. I'll strike a match. Yes. Just a flesh wound as far as I can see. Good. McKinnon, is there another exit from this room? There is, Mr. Holmes. Under that chest, the stone slides out. Gracious me, but Humphreys said... Humphreys knows nothing about it. Some secrets of the McKinnon family are only interested to those bearing the family name. Thank heaven for that. And I'd suggest we get out of here as soon as possible. The air in here is getting stale already. Lean on me, Mr. McKinnon. That's it. How are you feeling? A little shaky, but I'm all right, Mr. Holmes. We're in blazes, are we? We've been following this little passage up and down, round and round. Right now we're behind the wall of the library. The entrance is ahead of us, concealed by a tapestry. Shh! There's a faint crack of light. We're behind the tapestry. And someone's in the library. Oh, boy, I don't know how to say this. It's Humphreys. And my son, David. Shh! Listen. I was worried about those men from London. Sherlock Holmes should learn of the shame of the McKinnons. David, I'm afraid I've got shocking news for you. Your father has confessed that he has been killing the sheepdogs. Father? He knows that he's mad. He, he left the castle just now with a pistol. He plans to kill himself. Kill himself? We must stop him. No, 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 my boy. Let him go. It's the best way. Poor father. What can I do? There's only one honorable solution, David. Your branch of the family is corrupt, decayed. If your father dies and you disappear, the estate reverts to me, and we can save the McKinnon name with fresh blood. But, Uncle, You it's... can go to the colonies and start life over with a new name. It's the only way. We've heard enough. Come on. Confess, you lying devil. Father, they said that Drop you... that revolver, Humphrey. Drop it or I'll shoot. We overheard your conversation, Mr. Humphreys. Most enlightening. And we found this where you headed, you filthy beast. A human jawbone. You'd marked the dogs with it and tried to make me think that I'd done it myself. Then what he told me in London was nothing but a pack of lies. Of course. Mr. McKinnon, I suggest you send for the police. The police? What crime can they hold me for? A few sheepdogs killed and they can't prove I was responsible. There's... There's a, there's a mob of people outside the window. Mr. McKinnon, sir, excuse me. What is it, Bruce? It's a crowd of the villagers. They're in an ugly mood. They say you're responsible for the sheepdogs being killed on the moors. They're threatening to burn the castle. I'm afraid they're getting out of hand. Go back and tell them that in a few minutes I'll come out and explain the killings. Aye, sir, aye. But in a way too long. I'll go and talk to them, Father. They know me. Mr. Humphreys, possibly the law can do little to you. But the violence of mob rule may prove strikingly effective. Aye, I'll take this blackguard Humphreys out there. 
They'll know what to do with him. No, 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 you can't do that. You've got to keep me away from them. They tear me to pieces. Sign a written confession, Mr. Humphreys, and we'll protect you. I'll sign anything. Just keep me away from that mob. You suggested that my boy should go to the colonies. Put it in writing that you'll do just that yourself. Give me a pen. Here you are. And now, Watson, I think we still have time to catch the night express for London. I hope we'll have no difficulty in obtaining three tickets on such short notice. Three tickets? Of course. I'm certain young David McKinnon will accompany us. I fancy we may be attending a wedding within a very few days. And did you, Dr. Watson? Did I... did I what? Attend the wedding. <laughs> Indeed we did, Mr. Bell. As a matter of fact, Holmes acted as best man. It was a very charming affair. <laughs> I'm sure it was. And now, Dr. Watson, what about next week? Well, now, let me see. What shall I tell you? Next week, I think I'll tell you a story called The Adventure of the Hungry Cat, in which Sherlock Holmes saves an innocent man from the gallows and brings to justice a particularly vicious and cold-blooded murderer. Now, here's something which should interest you ladies. My wife has beautiful, natural highlights in her hair. And girls, I'll let you in on the secret of how she does it. I always wash my hair with cremel shampoo. It leaves my hair with a natural, glossy luster that lasts for days and days. Cremel shampoo actually brings out all the natural, glossy highlights that lie concealed in the hair. In addition, it has a beneficial oil base that helps keep hair from becoming dry or brittle. This famous hard water shampoo works like magic in every type of water. And girls, you'll love the way its rich, luxurious foam penetrates right to the scalp and removes all loose dandruff flakes as well as the dirt. Don't forget, Cremel shampoo is the same beautifying shampoo which those famous million-dollar powers models use. So why not glamour bathe your hair with beautifying Cremel shampoo? Tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure was suggested by an incident in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Sussex Vampire. Nigel Bruce appeared by permission of California Pictures and Tom Conway through the courtesy of Eagle Lion Pictures. This is Joseph Bell speaking for Kremel Hair Tonic and Kremel Shampoo and inviting you to be with us next week at this same time when Dr. Watson will tell us about the adventure of the hungry cat. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. All right, there you have it. That is The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, starring Tom Conway. I See, I give him first billing because he's Sherlock Holmes. Right, I agree. And Nigel Bruce is Dr. Watson, although on the show they flip-flopped it. Well, I, when I, you play Sherlock Holmes, we'll make sure that you get top billing. Are you going to be Watson? Sure. All right. Whatever you say. <laughs> That's The Adventure of the Black Angus, sponsored by... Crummel hair tonic and Crummel shampoo. You and, know what? Uh, wait, I take it back. If I'm Watson, then I do want top filling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dessert on ABC. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, before we get into um, this month in music history, 
we have to look at what we're going to order for Mies Meals. Yes, we will do that over the break. And when we come back, we'll let everybody know some of their options. Mies Meals, my favorite, 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 favorite. I love I, it. I look forward to it every Gosh, Monday. Mies Meals is so great. M-E-E-Z Meals.com. Uh, all right. This time, it's uh, this month in music history. That's right. This time it is. Yeah. And we are going back to the 1980s. Here's a great song. This is The Police. Yes. I always know the, the band. That's right. And it's called? Every Little Thing You Do Is Magic. That's right. Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic. Okay. But I'll take you also. Uh, this is from their fourth, fourth album, Ghost in the Machine. It's at number three on the Billboard charts in 1981. Yeah, it's a great tune. It is. All right, thanks, Lisa sure. Wolf. More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. What am I getting from Mies Meals? Well, there's a lot of great options. It's a little overwhelming. There's a feta and tomato Mediterranean steak salad. Oh. There's pomegranate glazed chicken with cheesy smashed potatoes, which uh, I think you've I've had got, that yeah, one that, before. Yeah, that's great. Um, here's aioli shrimp with Asian, Asian veggies. That sounds a little bit like Mike over there. There's um, red, white, and green ravioli Ooh. for the Italian side in you. Yeah. Chicken scallopini with hazelnut whipped butter. Oh. Kung Pao steak tacos. Man. Mm. There's quesadilla burger mm-hmm. with Angus beef and Mexican We're talking about peppers. one of our sponsors, Mies Meals. Check them out at MiesMeals.com, M-E-E-Z Meals.com. Order from Mies Meals, and the first time you do, you're going to get 50% off by using the promo code CARL at checkout. So don't miss this great offer. Right. There's interesting recipes each week, and, um, well, we'll tell you more about it. In the meantime, we need a caller yeah. for a name. Uh, sorry, for Beat the Host. It's all about Bob Seeger. We're looking for caller number 11. The number is 312-642-5600. It's all true or false. You can be on the air, play the game, have some fun, and the goal is to beat Carl. The bar is not high. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I, I'm a pretty big Bob Seger fan. I'll right. tell you that right well, now. Well, he's turning 78 on really? May 6th. So. Yeah, I love Bob Seger. All right, we'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.